Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ask Annie podcast. For those of you who are just joining us, um, let's refresh a little bit on Annie's background. Um, Annie became a certified CPA in 1995, and after working for such notable, notable firms as Arthur Anderson and H&R Block, Annie founded Atlantis Accounting back in 2006. And for 16 plus years, her firm has provided comprehensive accounting, tax strategy, and financial planning services to a broad array of companies. And the goal for the Ask Annie podcast is to tap into that expertise and share valuable insights and information for small and medium-sized companies um, to benefit from. So with that, I just want to welcome Annie to the recording. Hi, Annie. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure. It's good to talk with you again. Um, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is, um, you know, small businesses, startup small businesses can experience such a dramatic fail rate, um, sometimes in the order of 50 to 90% in their first couple of years, depending on industry. And there are some real sound reasons why. In fact, you know, in researching this topic, so we can pick your brain a little bit, um, I found that 19.8% um, of the time, it's related to cost management kinds of issues. 25% of the time, it relates to business planning and um, good business practices being in place. 31% of the time, it's lack of financing, which can be driven by those other two factors. But a full 37% of the time, it's because the businesses just are either undercapitalized or not effectively managing their money. So, you know, the hope is that in today's conversation, we can share some insights with those people who perhaps are in their early years of a business or even in a more mature business that can help them better understand the importance of um, accounting, good tax practices, cash management. And by the way, to all of our listeners, you know, we want to add the disclaimer that this is advice that if you have a uh, accounting or tax professional, you certainly want to check with them if they're a trusted resource. This is meant instead to be educational, informational, and sometimes a little entertaining too. So <laughs> with that, um, you know, in your experience and opinion, why do businesses fail? Why do businesses fail due to poor financial management? Well, fail, like you said, um, I think one of the Forbes articles mentioned that new business um, usually take them two to three years to be profitable. That's kind of in line with the IRS regulations that RS, they consider what you do is business instead of a hobby. If business make profit three out of five consecutive years. And let's take a look at what you just mentioned and expand that concept a little bit more. When you talk about the new business that they might be failing because um, the costs issue and the business planning. I tend to think business planning probably should be the first factor they consider. Depending on the industry, the business they come into, 
um, that kind of determine how much capital that they might need. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, one of my eatery client, they probably need money to buy food um, and hire employee chef. For me, I come out, I just need to purchase tech software. So to speak, so the capital requirement is different by industry, as you said. So if they didn't even um, think about that and just come into business, that's very likely they will fail due to lack of capital, because most of banking in you know banks or lending institutions they probably will not be willing to lend money to you um, because you are new. They just don't know anything about you, your business, I mean. However, they might be willing to lend capital to new business if owner put into some sort of guarantee or collateral from their personal assets. However, that kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, you set up a business. The reason to set up business, as we explained in the previous um, podcast, was to shield your personal assets from business liabilities. So that, that, in my personal opinion, would be the first factor you want to consider is how much capital your newly set up business, your um, business as, you know, ventures would need. I would recommend perhaps um, thinking one year would be very, very conservative um, to, you know, have a, one year worth of capital. That's what I mean. Your operation funds, like you probably want to rent an office space. If it's a retail store, you might need to rent a store, employee salary, um, merchandise, those kind of things. You have to consider that. And um, did I put you to sleep yet, Phil? <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, I think this is so important. And, you know, so many times um, I meet with entrepreneurs who have a very good idea or perhaps and, you know, forgive me for generalizing, but they, you know, they cook and they love to cook and they make a great chili and they say, oh, we should go out and open a chili restaurant because everybody, friends and family love my chili, right? And they go out into the world perhaps not developing a mature business plan, perhaps not looking at the competition, at the marketing, um, at the pricing, at the employee field, perhaps not knowing all the regulations, but just with you know the, the bright-eyed enthusiasm of somebody who has an idea and wants to launch their business. And I think what you're saying, which is great advice, is in the beginning, you know, meet with an accounting tax professional and really plan out that first year. Be sure you have bandwidth to get past the runway of opening and into profitability, which to your point, in most cases does take place between one and two years. Um, so I think that's excellent advice for newer businesses. Now, as you start to look at businesses that hit that two to three year mark and are approaching profitability, what are the what are the important things they should be doing and what are the mistakes you, you sometimes see? Well, thank you for pointing that out. If I may um, take a step back, I think from the beginning, every business should have accounting system in place. 
Although I am one of the QuickBooks Online Advanced Advisors, there are other accounting software just as good or perhaps even better than QuickBooks Online. Um, business owners shall invest at least in one of the accounting software and keep the books organized. So when they reach one year, two year, three year mark, that they are comfortable and, you know, because in the beginning, there's really not that much to look at. So mm -hmm. you learn as your business grow. Now, if I may, in my personal opinion, there are two, I feel most important financial statements that business owners shall take a look at. One is by all means, profit and loss statements. Everybody knows about that one, but I wanted to explain cash flow statements first hmm. because if you have cash on hand there's a lot cash is king it is so true you need money to pay your employee to pay your chef to pay accounting software to pay taxes so without cash you are going to have to go out and borrow um the last thing you want to incur more expenses is high interest expenses. My realtor friend told me last night, right now the mortgage rate is going up to 6%. Six. So oh. yes, that that's pretty, you know, that's not, I, I think if you can cut down business expenses, interest expenses, probably one of the one you want to consider or try to work on reduce. If you look at profit and loss statements, there are usually two distinctions. One is a book basis, one is tax basis. The reason for that is for from accounting perspective, we have some accounting principles we have to follow, which are not exactly the same as tax regulations. I think for small business, we can focus on tax regulations. Mm -hmm. So you will be allowed to take depreciation, for example, for restaurant or dental practice, you purchase machinery for business, for practice that can be depreciated over their useful lives. But when you Add, when you spend $100,000, for example, to purchase this piece of equipment, you amortize over 10 years, just for the a simple, uh, just to simplify the calculation. So every year you can take 10,000 depreciation. It would add up to, it would bring down your sales number, but you actually spent 100,000. That's 100,000 cash out, you add 10,000 depreciation to bring down your sales number, you still have a 90,000 gap. Mm -hmm. If you pay out, if you pay this piece of machine using cash, you still have $100,000 going out of the door, even though on your um, tax basis, profit and loss statement, you did not actually have, your profit didn't reduce by 100,000, but you are not operating 
out of um, your tax-based profit and loss statement, meaning you are paying your employee based on what you have on your bank account, not based on your tax basis profit and loss statement. So there's two big extinction there. And I want to bring that to your attention because end of the day, the day-to-day -day operations, cash flow is more important than profit and loss statement. Profit and loss statements are important because you can really see how your business is doing. Not only because you have to file for um, tax returns purpose, but also you want to know if you your business is actually um, heading to the direction you want it to go. And later on, when you want to expand, that would be the statement you use to show potential investors or lending institutions. So they are serving profit and loss and cash flow. They both are important, but they are being utilized for different purposes. So in very different ways. Yeah, that makes sense. And I want to touch on something you shared about depreciation. Um, when it comes to capital equipment, do you advise clients to explore the Section 179 full depreciation in year of lease or purchase? Or do you suggest uh, they, they spread across the depreciation period? And what are the best scenarios for each? Well, um, I think you bring up a very good point, but it's not one size fits all. We also have to see how well the business is doing and the tax rate they are um, in, also the owner's personal tax bracket. Fortunately for you, Phil, I actually do financial planning as well. The reason I bring up owner's personal income tax return is because it depends on business structure. If it's a single member LLC, which is flow into the owner's individual income tax return, then if the owner's spouse makes a lot of money, then section 179 seems to make sense because you never know next year how well business would do if the business have other deductions. Yeah. But I feel now is always better than defer because you have it on hand. We don't know what tax law would change. We, we just don't know what's going to happen next year. So if you have the income to absorb it, I say go for it. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And Annie, this has been a very informative session. And I hope those of you listening got some good tips and pointers. And again, we remind you, um, our goal is to educate and inform where you're working with an accounting or tax or financial planning professional already that you're happy with. Certainly run these things by them if they're new to you or you haven't explored them. Um, and as always, Annie is here to help. Uh, if you want to set up a free consultation and in our show notes for the podcast, we'll include a link to Annie's website and calendar. So you can reach out directly to her. Annie, great conversation, great insights. Thank you so much for this session. I think it's been an important one. Thank you so much, Phil, as always.
Enjoy the day. We'll talk soon. Yes. Bye-bye.